0: Welcome to Warriors Awkward, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host Connor Laterno, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. With Golden State preparing for minicamp, we looked at what the Warriors should try to get out of these group practices. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Uh, it's it hasn't been that long, but it feels like it has. How you been?
1: I've been all right. It does feel like it's been forever. Every day in the pandemic is like dog years. It feels like it's like seven, eight days for normal days. So it's been a while and I've been okay, man.
0: Yeah, that's no, good. I mean, I feel like uh we're all in going at different paces with, with handling this. Uh you know, I know some people are getting their second or third wind right now. I know other people are really uh feeling it and I know for me it's just it, it feels like every other day I have a different uh I have a different mood about it you know uh, one day I'm like you know this isn't so bad and the next day I'm like I'm so over this
1: uh um, you can maintain a mood for an entire day you're way better than me I, I switch through those moods about every 20 minutes and if I'm being transparent and honest with you I did have a major change earlier this week. I had what I'll call the Clay Thompson surgery. I literally had my uh, my ACL repaired, and as a consequence, I'm on enough pain medications right now, Connor, to kill a small horse. So if I just stop making sense, and it, you know, if it's entertaining, keep it. If not, let me know, and I'll try to uh, I'll try to bring everything back together.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, you powering through, and you still coming on the podcast when you might be uh, a little loopy. You know, that's just better. That's better entertainment in my book so uh, hopefully you're, I, I know you're working as well right so hopefully your bosses are okay with that
1: I don't know if, if it's working or just performing malpractice on a day to day basis but you know let's not let's not really explore that there's no real upsides to that topic so i uh, I wanted to chat
0: with you today about uh where's minicamp because there was a ton of speculation, a ton of questions for a long time about whether the Warriors would actually be able to pull this off, and it looks like they are. Uh, they started uh, COVID testing this week. Uh, everyone's kind of arriving into town, um, and then starting this following Monday, they will be quarantining for 48 hours in a, in a hotel near Chase Center, and then starting next Wednesday, they'll be starting a week-long mini camp um where they'll be practicing daily and 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 kind of getting caught up to speed with everyone and you know they, it'll be interesting because uh as far as i know everyone's going to be there clay will be available Kavon should be available um wiggins will be there and then they're also going to have i believe five uh g league guys uh guys who were on the Santa Cruz Warriors last year, um, just to kind of, I think mainly just to kind of round out the practice numbers and and to have some depth in the scrimmages and what have you. Um, but for a team that hasn't played basketball or really even been together in any capacity since March, I think it's really important, um, you know, because we're we don't even know when next season's starting. It's probably it's they announced the other day that it's not going to be till after Christmas. Um, From what I've heard, it could, it might not be till like February, uh, maybe even March, which I don't even want to fathom that right now or because that's just depressing, (laughs) a depressing thought. Uh, But the NBA is trying to maximize their chances of of having actual fans in the arena. So they're going to, I think they're, they would ideally wait till there's a vaccine. Um, That being said, I mean, Without this minicamp, they'd be going potentially an entire year without being around each other. So um, it's an, it, I think it's extremely
1: important. I think it's extremely important, too. And I know that most of the body of today's podcast is going to explore why we're excited to have this um, as someone who covers the lawyers and someone who roots for them. But let me ask you a quick just follow-up question, because I know that the minicamp was coming, but I don't know its logistics. When they so after they clear all these hurdles, they they get through the quarantine, they get all the testing done, they show up to chase. For that next week, is it a bubble environment? Like, are they literally staying together for seven days and not going back home, or is it just like any other practice? After they get through all the, the COVID testing, then they'll be going back and forth from chase and and back outside the bubble, I guess.
0: Yeah, there it's. There, it is basically a bubble environment there. It's, I don't think it's quite as intense as what's going on in Orlando. Uh, but basically the entire time they're going to be either in one hotel or one of two hotels right next to each other. And they're going to be pretty much around each other the entire week. They're going to be having team dinners, uh, busing together to the arena, um, you know, getting tested daily doing, doing all that stuff. Um, it's, it, it's not mandatory. Um, but as far as I know, um, they do expect pretty much everyone to be there. Um, that's not official yet, but, um, that is the hope. Um, so I'm, I'm doing actually a story later in the week that will get more into the logistics. i I'm, and I still have to do some reporting for that. So I don't have like every detail, uh, completely down. Um, but, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. The one person that might not be there is Draymond because his, his fiance is, uh, you know, pretty far along in her pregnancy. And, sure. uh, you know, I think, I think Draymond needs to be pretty careful. So, um, I I wouldn't be, sh- I don't, I don't think he's officially informed the team whether or not he'll be there, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't there um, for understandable reasons. Um, so, uh there's, there's a lot to get to, and, and I guess my first question would be for you, just what is the biggest thing you're going to be looking for from this mini camp? Like, What do you think is, should be number one on the Warriors' to-do list?
1: Yeah, um, well, let me say just personally, selfishly, I'm just excited to have Warrior-centric basketball stories in my life again. I'm enjoying the bubble, Connor. I've been watching it, um, you know, nonstop. I can't wait for this final four. But I also miss reading specifically about the Warriors. Having you off of your hiatus and writing pieces again has been phenomenal. And the idea that we actually have stuff to cover now, I'm really excited for. Um, But as far as specific, there's a few things I'm excited uh, for the Warriors opportunity in the bubble. And let's start here. This team should be really good next year. I have high expectations, but they don't know each other, right? Steph has never played a single minute with Andrew Wiggins. Steph and Clay have never played a single minute with Andrew Wiggins. We don't know how literally the, the pillars, the foundation of this core will fit with one another or personality-wise, how they will, will talk, how their personalities ultimately mesh. So the idea that they're not only going to get to play with one another for seven days, but live together in that bubble and eat together and spend all that time, I think is really, really valuable. It's it's a, a big upside um, and is going to add some needed experience because this team doesn't have him.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, to me, the, I, I want to just specifically see how uh, Wiggins fits with, with Steph and Clay, um, and I, I want to, and kind of going along with that, I want to see how Clay is doing physically. I, I personally feel very confident that Clay is going to be at or close to a hundred percent. And I'm not talking the start of next season; I'm talking like the start of actual mini camp because it's been over a year. Um, you know, the typical recovery on an ACL. Is usually somewhere between like nine and ten months, and uh, you know, Clay is, is is still pretty young, and he's has a reputation for for being able to bounce back pretty quickly. And from everything I've heard, he's been extremely diligent in his rehab. So I would be shocked if he wasn't already, you know, close to a hundred percent. But you don't you don't know till you actually see it, right? So, um, is he a hundred percent? is Kavon Looney close to 100% because Kavon, um, let's just be honest here, he was downright awful last season. And it's not it's not totally his fault because he dealt with a bunch of physical issues. I mean, he had some a pretty serious case of neuropathy um, in his hamstring and really throughout his body. And then he had some other nagging injuries, and he just was never – Physically himself. I mean, he looked like a shadow of that guy who was a real factor in the previous finals. Um, and so was that kind of the beginning of the decline for him? Or was that just a, a minor hiccup and in, in what will hopefully be a long, productive career? I mean, this is someone that already has had, at a young age, serious health issues. He had several um, hip surgeries early in his career. And um, so can he, can he come back close to 100%? Um, sure. And, and honestly, that's important because the Warriors need him to be a factor in their center rotation. They're going to almost definitely sign someone in free agency at the center spot. But, um, you know, they've always done center by committee. And right now, really, all they have is Marquise Chris. So you Marquise Chris, a healthy gavon and then maybe you can go out and get like a Marcus or a, a Serge Ibaka or something then that, to me, is a a really solid center rotation. But Kavon needs to be part of that. And if Kavon can't be part of that, if he can't be a factor, then I'm not feeling as good about the Warriors center rotation. I think they might need to make another move. Um, So this is – I think this is a really critical minicamp for him uh, because if he doesn't look good, um, the Warriors might seriously have to change their approach to the offseason a little bit. You know, it could really – factor into their decision-making.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. And what you've highlighted is why this mini camp is so damn important. Right? So reason one, I, I talked about upfront chemistry. That's going to happen regardless. Them just spending time with one another. You know, that's going to go down. So the next upside of this mini camp is information. It's going to allow the Warriors front office and the players to learn about each other, learn about this team. And that information right now, Connor, is not only needed, it is critical. Now, the Warriors are going into an offseason where they're going to be making decisions that are going to impact this franchise for the foreseeable future. And we're talking at least the next decade. So the more they can learn about this team before they start making those calls, the better, right? You identified one source of information, medical. Who is Clay? Who is Loon? Who's Steph? You know, we, we didn't really get to see him last year. Um, Who is Marquise Chris? The way that we looked at him last year on a team that had no talent versus his role this year, when we might really need his shot blocking and rebounding and rim running is an entirely different thing. So if they get to spend a week, it's not that much time. But if they get to spend a week watching these guys and not only figuring out individual skill sets, who they are now following either an injury or following um, improvement, but also how they interact with one another. It's going to help them make decisions like who do you go after with the TPE? Who should you consider with the two pick? Can you trade down? So yeah, the the more time Bob Myers and the rest of that front office gets to evaluate and put in information, the better because they've shown us generally speaking when they have the info, they make you know, the right decision.
0: Yeah. and, and, the, that's been the hard thing for them, I think, during quarantine is just the lack of information. Uh, Bob Myers expressed after the draft lottery that, you know, it's a big deal that even though they've had all this time to study film and what have you of of draft prospects, they don't have basic information on a lot of these guys still. They don't have the medical information. and And Bob stressed, he's like, that is a huge deal, you know. It is very possible that one of these guys has this, like – underlying knee issue that we're not aware of. And that would vastly affect our opinion of this person and our approach to the draft. Right. So, um, you know, that, I think that's been a huge thing just for them in general. uh, And that definitely applies to this. Um, But uh, you know, health, health stuff aside um, the Andrew Wiggins incorporation is going to be really interesting because um, they obviously got him to play alongside Steph and Clay. They got him thinking that, you know, with the space that they provide, he could be really good as a, a rim running small forward who can, you know, curl off screens and, and, and be a good uh, member just in the flow of the offense. They're not going to ask him too much. They're going to ask him to, you know, hit closeouts and set good screens and knock down jumpers. And he did a pretty good job in his 12-game sample size last season with the Warriors of being more of, like, that go-to guy because they didn't really have a lot of healthy bodies, so he was kind of their best scoring option. And he, uh, I thought he did a good job of balancing that responsibility while also still being uh, – you know, sticking within the flow of the offense, um, which was going to – which was something I was really watching closely because that's going to be what he has to do Next season with Steph and Clay, and so, but it'll be interesting to see how he actually is along alongside them because, you know, you can you can speculate all you want, but until you're actually doing it, it's a different deal. And I personally fully expect it to be a smooth transition. I think I think Wiggins already showed uh, last season that he can do the little things that he's going to need to do along Steph and Clay. And if anything, just having Steph and Clay there is going to make his job. Immensely easier um, sure. because he's going to have way more room to operate. He's going to have more space. So, um, and that's that's true for everyone. Um, I think the Eric Pascals of the world, you know, uh, a lot of the young guys who aren't as familiar with playing with clans and stuff are going to be um, really pleased. And one other person that I think is going to be really interesting to watch is uh, Marquise Chris because Marquise Chris, if you remember, A big reason why they signed him out of training camp was because of his ability, uh, his his kind of prowess in dribble handoffs with Steph. Um, He really played well with Steph uh, in training camp and in preseason, and then obviously he didn't he didn't he was still kind of getting into his rhythm by the time Steph got injured. So you never really got to see what they could do together, um, but I actually think that Steph's return is going to make Marquise way better, which is saying something because Marquise was actually super good toward the end of the season. I mean, he might have been their best player, you know, in February and that first part of March.
1: Well, that's saying a lot, but I, I think, you know, well, it's, it's saying a lot while also not saying that much. You're right, but that's like picking the diamond out of the asteroid of last year's season. To look really good amongst last year's talent didn't require that much. But what you just pointed out about Wiggins and Chris, I not only agree with, but here, let me be crazy optimistic. And Connor, maybe this is just the drugs talking, right? And I, <laughs> I gave you a heads up that I might not make sense the entire episode. Maybe I've finally reached my limit here. But I'm really excited for next year, man. Um, and, and two reasons I'm really excited for next year, Wiggins, Chris, right? Um. When we talk about Andrew Wiggins, right now, Warrior fans are rabid with trade possibilities. And I'm one of them, you know, especially now that Giannis may or may not be available. And when you look at every suggested trade from every Warrior fan, the first player who's put into the trade is Andrew Wiggins. And again, I understand why. But I think Wiggins might be in a position to really succeed next year. And it's because he will have defined expectations. From the beginning of his basketball life, at least from when I started following him, he has been considered the next Kobe Bryant. His nickname in Canada was Maple Jordan. And so he had all these expectations where he was supposed to carry a franchise. Fine, he's not that player. We know that. But next year, those expectations are entirely different. If what we need him to be is the third scorer on a playoff-bound, hopefully championship-contending team, he should really be able to do that. And I think that we are going to see with relaxed expectations, he could have a big year. And it's the exact same thing for Marquise Chris. You know, when he's in Phoenix, he's a high pick with no defined role. It was kind of a sky's the limit, go out there and and figure it out. You know, next year, that's going to all change. It's defined expectations, rim runner defense. In fact, when I read the draft uh, descriptions of somebody like James Wiseman, and you know, I, I understand the upsides of using the, the two pick on Wiseman. I know you're not on board for that, but when you read Wiseman's traits and you close your eyes, they are kind of describing Marquise Chris right now. Explosive athlete who can help, uh, you know, help side defense, can rim run, and is and is uh, can finish at the rim. So I think both of those guys are going to be fun to watch next year. They're both reasons to be excited. And perhaps hopefully during this mini camp we'll start to see them carve out the role that will let them be successful.
0: We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. what they learn from this mini camp could also factor into their approach to the draft. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's possible that seeing, seeing what they have available right now will just reinforce in their minds what they really need going forward. I think they already have a pretty good idea of yep. it, but, you know, I think they have probably three or four things on the, on the needs list. And, you it might affect the rankings of those needs, right? Like I think they need another center for sure. They need another, uh, they need some more wing depth um, and they need a secondary ball handler, like a more uh, kind of a a backup point guard, but really just someone who can initiate the offense and and provide some relief to staff in in that regard. And um, so I know those are what the things they need, but I don't know what the rankings of those needs are. And I think, this mini camp will go a long way potentially in, in helping them figure that out.
1: Of course. Absolutely. And one thing that warrior fans have learned um, over and over again, over the past three decades, Connor, is that front offices are not created equally, right? Some teams have very competent front offices that seem to always make the right decisions. Some teams do not. And invariably, regardless of how many top five picks they have, shit the bed with each of them and don't bring back any talent. So we know that to be true, and right now the Warriors are blessed with a front office that is, I at least believe is is in the upper echelon of the NBA. We finally have one of the good ones, but that's not enough. Talent in the front office in and of itself is not going to guarantee you anything. That front office also needs to have access to information. Otherwise, they can't do anything with their talent. They they aren't able to, uh, to evaluate information unless they have it. So what this mini camp does is provide one of these upper echelon front offices the information they need to distinguish themselves. And yes, the draft is one of those things. Um, stupid example, but if Marquise Chris comes in looking like young Kevin Garnett for you know for God knows what reason, suddenly his jump shot is crazy crisp, he's added 15 pounds of lean muscle, he's unstoppable during the next seven days. Then if they had any interest in James Wiseman, not anymore. Why? You know, they, they just found out they have Chris. So, of course, it's going to affect um, – or, of course, it could affect whom they consider at the two pick.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we don't even know when the draft is, man. Like, it's so <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Uh,
1: I think I, of you every time they announce these delays.
0: I I've actually like gotten a website, lot of people so. on Twitter and in my email <laughs> telling me, yo, stop writing about the number two pick. I think people are getting – tired of me writing about the number 2 pick and i'm sure i have listeners right now just nodding being like yeah uh and look i get it i've written a lot about the number 2 pick and i've i think i've pretty much hit every angle
1: i can hit humanly possible um uh, I'm not one of those listeners, Connor. You keep talking and writing about the toothpick, my man. I, the more information I can get off these guys. I mean, not, I have this series I'm working on away. right now uh, <laughs> where
0: every week, we, for space reasons in print, we had to take last week off, but I, I have the story that was going to come last week, coming this week, and it's on Denny Abdiah uh, out of Israel. And every week I'm doing full profiles on these people, um, and I'm actually talking to people close to them. I'm getting into their backstories. And then on top of that, I am doing like analytical breakdowns of how they fit with the Warriors for every single guy, the Warriors might consider. So it's going to be like eight or nine guys. Um, so I,
1: for a large majority I, I don't know how much
0: more I can do than that. You know, beyond large what i
1: listeners, we just pumped our fist. Yes. You know, warrior fans everywhere are happy for the 10% who have already called you apparently, or, Use social media to get in touch with you and say, "Hey, stop writing about the second pick." I love that your response to them was, "How about I write an entire series about the second pick?" Suck on that! So nicely done, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of it was I'm just looking <laughs> for content, to be honest with you. Uh, you to
1: um, explain it to me. I, I, I let's just say. But uh, but also part of it is, of.
0: Uh, I'm interested in uh, in all this stuff. Um, you know, I'm as you know, I'm a, I'm kind of a draft nerd and. I've never really gotten a chance to cover the draft like this before uh, because the Warriors would always make the finals and then they had like a week to prepare for the draft and then yeah. have like Tentra a late second round pick or early second round pick. And then that was, that was that.
1: Yeah, careful what you wish for a large majority of my Warriors fandom has, was spent doing nothing but looking at obsessing over and hoping for the draft. So, you know, yeah, those, and then, you draft, times...
0: uh, then you draft, you know, Todd Fuller and, you know, my... Cummings.
1: I was there. What are you like poking a wound? I know what we what we suffered through. I don't need to read. It. And let's just focus back on the two pick and the series you have. I don't want to jump back down the Warriors, terrible draft history. Um, but but something's been bothering me. And I should have asked should have pulled on this string right at the beginning of the episode, because you mentioned that everything in the NBA world keeps getting pushed back. And the inference is the reason they're doing that is they want to see how fans return to the NFL works. Because maybe the NBA will allow fans to return to their own bubble, which leads to this question: You're not from the future. There's, you don't work for the front office. You don't know. But right now, if you had to guess, do you think there will be fans in an NBA arena during the 2021
0: season? Uh, just a guess. I would say I think there's going to be some level of fans. Yes. Um, sure. I think I, I could. I could. I in a best case scenario to start the season, you have maybe half capacity um, mm. in my mind. Um, I think that's possible. Um, you, you see the NFL, not, not in this market, not in San Francisco, but you see the NFL and other markets having fans uh, college football has fans. Yeah. I don't think that's the smartest thing in the world, but it's happening. And um, so the NBA Will definitely do everything in their power to make sure they can have some fans because there's that's a lot of money at the gate that they're losing every time they don't have fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, and to go an entire another season without it would be rough, which is why they're willing to wait, um, you know, as long as they need to. Um, so I do think there will be, and, and I also think that there's a good chance that we're not going to have the NBA until. Close to springtime which is depressing to even talk about uh because i don't know about you but i am really ready to watch some warriors basketball and actually go to games again and feel like a real beat writer
1: you guys, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so excited for the mini camp i've been sweating for the last 25 minutes yeah dude i'm ready to have warriors basketball back in my life
0: yeah for sure um is there is there anything else that you're gonna be uh looking for for me it's not as important but um one thing that I'm going to be watching is just what's going on with with some of the young guys, because, you know, the Warriors are going to be facing a, a numbers crunch roster wise. And so you're looking at guys like Kai Bowman, Juan Descano Anderson, Michael Mulder, technically Marquis Chris, because his contract's not guaranteed, but I'm 99.9% sure he'll be on the team next season. So really you're looking at, Kai Bowman uh Marquis or Kai Bowman Juan Discano Anderson um, and Michael Mulder, and then there's also Jason Randall and Bender. I don't even think Bender's around anymore. I don't think he'll be there at mini camp and then Randall almost definitely will not be on the team next season so there but the truth is there's out of those three guys out of Bowman Descano Anderson, and Mulder best key scenario one of them makes it i mean if you just look at the numbers um and what the warriors are trying to accomplish this offseason um i would be i think there's a chance none of them make it um i think there's a good chance that like one of them makes the 15 man and then maybe another one or two of them um get two-way contracts um but this will be a really kind of important audition in in a sense for them because they didn't get to play with steph and Clay last season. And so, if they can show something alongside Steph and Clay, I think that'll really help their chances of, uh, you know, being a factor going forward.
1: Sure. Um, in addition to back end of the roster decisions, who gets to continue to actually remain a Golden State Warrior, I'm interested in the development of the almost back of the roster guy, um, Jordan Poole. It started off the year, couldn't hit the backboard on a three-pointer if his life depended on it. Towards the end of the year, the shot started falling a little bit. He kind of figured himself out. Who is he? What kind of development has he had uh, since the last time we saw him on the floor? Uh, Alan Smiley. You know, there was a period of time during the last year where we were fawning over Smiley. Young kid, limitless potential, you know, had, had dominated in the G League and had finally come up and had his shot, and then that shine kind of wore off. So I'd like to see, you know, where is he? What's happened um, since then? Has there been the kind of development we were hoping for when he was a G League star? So, you know, there will be little things, if if you are interested, that can be really important for the future uh, that hopefully will reveal themselves.
0: Yeah, you make an interesting point about Smiley because um, I felt like he – it felt like he regressed as the course of the season went on. Um, yep. He, he had some nice flashes of 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 things early in the season, but the reality is he he had no idea what he was doing the whole time I mean I talked to someone in the front office who said that uh, he smiley didn't understand more than a quarter of the playbook um language barrier uh, and other things i mean he's starting to become more fluent in english um but you know he was splitting a lot of time between santa Cruz and And Golden State, and I think it was hard, especially for a young guy like that. Um, But I don't think they were super pleased with what they saw toward the end of the year. He didn't finish the year on a good note. There were times where he just flat out looked like he had no business being on a basketball court. Like, he looked like he – like, if you or I was out there, like, he just looked completely deer in headlights. Like, he had no idea what he was doing. And, you know, um, I I knew – I know that they – anticipated a little bit of that because this is a guy who's 19 years old before he played the G league the previous season he had never played higher than the Serbian third division which is like a glorified rec league basically um and so there was going to be a major learning curve but uh you know he given the roster crunch that I just alluded to there is a chance that they could see if they don't see anything out of him in minicamp and they don't see any progress and they're really facing a serious numbers crunch and they really like Kai Bowman or Juan Descano or or uh Michael Mulder and they want to keep them around, it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to cut Smiley this offseason. Because nope. yeah. he does have a guaranteed deal, but it's a it's a low level minimum deal. And it's it's possible that they could cut him. I, I don't think they will because I think they're Curious enough about his upside to give him another year, um, but to prove himself. But I think there's there's a chance that they could end up cutting him. And and one thing I'm curious, just as a, as a fan, you know, as someone who watches the games, goes to the games, who of those three guys of Juan Descone Anderson, Michael Mulder, and Kai Bowman do you like the
1: most? Uh, well, uh, during the Black Lives Matter. Um, Wanda Toscano Anderson's name came up a lot because he was leading a series of movements and I really respected his involvement in the community. And so his name is the first that popped up in my mind, but it's for completely unrelated basketball reasons, right? If I'm focusing only on what they did for the Warriors on the floor, it would most likely be Kai Bonin, but let me put it this way. If they lost all three, I wouldn't be heartbroken.
0: Yeah, um, I I agree with that assessment. I I agree with the assessment that if they lost all three, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I think that uh, honestly, I do think that Juan Desconder Anderson. I know I don't think this was his intention. I think he he had very genuine intentions putting together the Black Lives Matter protest. But I actually do think it might have helped his roster status um, because I've I talked to Steve recently and Steve Kerr, and he was effusive about how impressed he was with just who Juan is as a person and what what he's done in the community and honestly when you're talking about like the 15th guy 14th 15th guy that stuff matters you know you want it's a nice storyline it's you have a local guy doing good in the community you know who who was undrafted like that is a, that is a nice narrative to have at the end of your
1: Bench, um, dude, and practically speaking, if I'm remembering right, the people at that rally included like Steph and Clay and the big boys, yeah, which showed
0: a certain level of respect, you know, from his teammates and
1: friendship, right? I mean, like, if if Juan Toscano Anderson had to exchange texts with those guys just to get them to the parade, and I'm sure they did, just logistically, right? The way that human nature works is if they developed a friendship because of that. You know, not like ass kissy, just literally, just because if by working together to help put that protest together, he got to know these Splash Brothers better. Then does he have a gigantic advantage over the other two names you mentioned? Of course he does. Of course he does. But I, the, the, I think that we can bring this back to the main point of, uh, of the podcast. And it's uh, last year, the Warriors had a series of placeholders. They weren't trying to succeed. They just tried to get through the year. This year, they need to see how some of those placeholders will actually play a role, and the quickest way to do that is by getting information through this training camp. Mini yeah, camp,
0: yeah. and yeah. like one thing that's going to be really important next season is you need the guys who, who got significant, the young guys who got significant minutes last season, like uh, Jordan Poole and Damian Lee you know those that caliber of guy you need them to show you that you can put them on the floor in a playoff game and not freak out you know you need you need you need for the Warriors to win the title next season they need at least nine or ten guys probably eight nine or ten guys who they feel genuinely 100% confident they can put in meaningful moments in a playoff game and not have to worry about it. And yeah. I personally am not 100% confident that someone like Damian Lee can, is ready for that moment or, or you would feel comfortable having him in that moment. But if, if he can prove in minicamp and, and going forward uh, that, that he can be, that would, that would raise the ceiling in my mind on, on, this, on this team. Uh, you know, outlook next season because that type of depth really matters when you're talking about the postseason.
1: Um, I I absolutely agree with you, I and mean, you just identify the topic for a future podcast, one I hope that that we'll really get to explore. But it's if the Warriors are as good as we hope they might be next year, championship contention, top four in the West, good. Then how can some of these smaller pieces perform when it really matters? Because watching, for example, the Clippers and players like Montrez Harrell fall apart when they really, really needed him not to identifies how things change for role players when they're playing the first 82 as opposed to the final 16. But, you know, hopefully we can have that concern next year. Right now we're talking about a team with the worst record of the NBA. So we can yeah. we can save that question down the line. Side note,
0: how crazy has this bubble been? I mean, wow, that game last night with uh, the Clippers – and the the, the nuggets I, who saw that coming? in i mean i guess wes Goldberg did who we, uh, who we had uh, on on your podcast recently and he's actually
1: accurate yeah prop, uh, props but uh i didn't i'll
0: admit i didn't um and not
1: only did i not i thought i had taken too many of my payments i was like there's no way this is real like i called my wife back to be like are you seeing this score too or am i just hallucinating entirely?" uh
0: Graham, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on the pod. Um, I really appreciate all your insight and, uh, you know, especially powering through those pain meds. Um, you know, I didn't, you didn't sound too loopy to me, but there might've been a couple moments where it came through, um, where, where, where can our listeners, uh, find your podcast where, uh, where's huddle, which I'm a huge fan of.
1: I really appreciate it. There's not a whole lot of upsides to a really deep drug history, but one of them is that when you have to pod through pain medications, there's no problem. So it really came together for me here. Uh, if you want to check us out, we're at the Warriors Huddle. Um, you can find us anywhere podcasts are played. Uh, and if you disagreed with some of my takes, liked them, hated them, anything, I'd love to hear it. You can reach us. Uh, our Twitter account is at Warriors Huddle. Um, and our email account is unprofessionallywarriorshuddle at gmail.com. So send the hate or the love. Both are welcome.
0: Our thanks to Bram Hilsman for joining me on the podcast. Always love is insight.